Welcome to the Business of Learning, the Learning Leaders Podcast from Training Industry. Measuring the Impact of L&D Certificate Program offers the tools you need to measure and elevate the business impact of training. Rooted in the research-based training manager competency model, you'll leave this elite training industry course with actionable strategies and best practices that you can immediately apply in your role to better measure and assess training programs of all kinds. To learn more about the program, visit trainingindustry.com or check out the show notes for today's episode. Where will training measurement take you? Hi, welcome back to the Business of Learning. I'm Michelle Eggleston-Schwartz, Editor-in-Chief at Training Industry. And I'm Sarah Gallo, a Senior Editor. As a training professional, you know that learning and development is integral to the employee experience. Today's employees want to learn and grow, and they expect their organization to help them do it. In fact, LinkedIn Learning's 2023 Workplace Learning Report found that the number one way organizations are working to improve retention is by providing learning opportunities. So today we're excited to learn more about how L&D can improve the employee experience and deliver the professional development that today's employees not only want, but expect. With us, we have Sydney Savion, Senior Director of Learning Services at Google and member of Training Industry Magazine's editorial board. Thomas Finstermacher, a certified professional in training management and L&D specialist at Trellis RX and Eric McArdle, a certified professional in training management and manager of training and knowledge management at Cisco. Sydney, Thomas, and Eric, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Thanks for having us. Perfect. We're excited for the conversation. And I think to get things started, it would be great if you could each share your own definitions for the employee experience. Sure. Why don't I get started? It's Sydney here. And I think um, real simple for me, the employee experience is the total of all interactions and experience in the employee's life cycle from the time they onboard to the time they exit the company. Yeah, I would certainly second that. A lot of folks think that the employee experience is what they experience during onboarding and the training that they go through and the people that they meet and all that stuff that leads up to them becoming a productive member of the team, but often do overlook the interactions they have with other members of the team and how widely resources are used by the teams they encounter. And just generally that culture and candor that they have once they're released to their respective site or job um, and expected to operate independently. Uh, yeah, an employee experience, right? It's the perspective of the employee from end to end, almost to the point of where you apply for the job and how they handle even recruiting you in, getting through your onboarding, and how do they allow you to grow right, and challenge you? And then, of course, you know, all the way to the exit portion. So yeah, definitely just the, there's multiple life cycles of the employee and just the employee experience has to, a good positive employee experience has to hit all the marks in each of those uh, parts of the life cycle. Great. Yeah. It's definitely not one thing, right? There's so many factors at play here. So I'm interested to hear what are some of those specific factors that can make or break the employee experience? Oh, I'll go here. I have two. There's, there's a lot, right? I'm yeah. sure there's a lot. Everybody was ready to go. Um, yeah. the, the two I would think uh, just right now is onboarding and leadership, right? I think we've all maybe experienced this early in our careers or maybe badly seen it in a movie, the onboard experiences getting put into a room 
on a, on a plastic chair that's not comfortable and watching a video for eight hours and then jumping into your work. Right? Now on the whole other spectrum, it's you know an onboarding program that's tricked out. I'm meeting people, leaders from all over the company. I'm learning what the company does, the visions, values, and goals. And then leadership. I think that's the number one make or break because you could love your job, you could love your team. If leadership's not doing it for you, you know, you may not stay there. So I think a, a leadership and you know developing our leaders to provide a great employee experience, that's I mean, there's a direct correlation of having a great time at your job, loving coming in and and how your leader, you know, leads you. I'm gonna jump in and add to what Eric was saying. And I agree to everything he just said. And I'll add the learning and development component is going to be crucial in terms of what people are learning, the trajectory of their growth and opportunities, and also work-life balance. I think nowadays, especially as we are making our foray out of COVID, you know, people still are expecting a high level degree of work-life balance and being able to manage that effectively. And then the last thing for me is going to be about bolstering and boosting dopamine levels. I think if people are happy, they're not going to be productive. And I think all of the things that Eric and myself just mentioned um, will contribute to the happiness and productivity of people and what will be continuous factors in terms of make or break the employee experience. For sure. It's a classic trope, right? People don't leave organizations, they leave managers. So your leadership, their skills, their abilities to navigate those tricky situations that come up and instill some level of comfort and expertise in the folks they're working with is super important. They should also not underestimate the value of a smiling face. One of um, my leaders, one of my mentors used to talk about, you don't want people to think that you're running this business out of your basement. It has to be professional from the start. Your messaging, your cadence, your follow through and follow up needs to be appropriate to get that person hooked and to want them to be part of whatever it is you're trying to accomplish as an organization. Definitely. I like that point there that um, you all made about the happiness factor and, and, and the engagement of employees and, and how crucial that is. And I think we're all in agreement here that leadership training is extremely important and it can really make or break that employee experience. So I'd hope to dive in and dig a little deeper into that and, and hear your thoughts around like what skills do leaders need to support a positive employee experience? I'll jump in and, and start us off. You know, I think there's there's like five things, let's say. There's emotional intelligence, you know, your ability to be introspective, your ability to put yourself in the individual's shoes and understand. Um, there's communication. I think that a leader needs to be uh, have effective communication. Also, transparency, right? It's not enough just to communicate, but what are you communicating? So being transparent. Um, empathy to me falls in alignment with emotional intelligence, motivation. We talked a little bit about that. How are we motivating our people? Um, how are we keep, keeping those dopamine levels high? Uh, so people want to and inspire to do what uh, you're asking them to do in, in terms of creating a high performing team and then feedback. Going back to my point about transparency, you know, how are you giving and providing constructive and transparent feedback to your employees uh, so that they can, um, you know, be more reflective, uh, ask the question behind the question and continue to grow. So those are the things I think are important skills that leaders need to support a positive employee experience. 
So I'll, I'll jump on that a bit, especially the, uh, the transparency part, right? Being willing as a leader to have those courageous conversations to level set with your employees. Um, as employees, we want to know where we stand, right? And so having that, having empathy, I love to say, just be human. It's a human, human connection right there. Um, so, you know, and all the other skills that Sydney talked about as well, right? The, the communication skills and, and being able to communicate in a way that you are influencing that employee for, you know, whatever it may be. So, yeah. Yeah, I, I have nothing that could sum it up more eloquently than those those five points. So I want to focus on something that I hear as a common point of feedback or common pain point that folks have, especially in industries where they're highly regulated and there's a lot of other things that need to be considered by the leaders, uh, more so than just what the requirements are of their team's jobs. And that's leaders need to be aware of and make a conscious effort to be responsible for more getting done, but not being personally responsible for getting it done. Um, because that inability to shift out of that employee mindset into a manager mindset leads a lot to that micromanagement and that over-assertion of themselves into things that quite honestly don't need their time, their energy, or their expertise. So making sure that leaders are fully prepared to transition from their individual output and productivity being the measure of their success to that of their team's output and productivity and accomplishments as a whole, I think is incredibly vital for a leader to be successful um, in any industry. And I think to like jump on the micromanaging too, it's uh, I like to say, be a multiplier, be a multiplier leader. Don't be a diminisher, right? Uh, multiply the productivity, the potential, the engagement of your employee. Uh, micromanaging is old. That's back in the day. It doesn't work anymore. So, you know, um, just wanted to add that there. Yeah, I love that. Micromanaging is out. Multiplying is in. <laughs> I guess kind of um, jumping off of what something Michelle mentioned earlier, which is that today's employees really do, you know, they expect companies to help them learn and grow. It's no longer an option. So I'm interested to hear how can L&D help support an employee experience that does encourage lifelong learning and definitely feel free to touch on how your own organizations are, are doing this work. Well, I'll start again. Um, Access to me is a big is is a is a big deal in this space in terms of being able to encourage lifelong learning, um, and to me that equals dem democratization of learning, um, as well as learning resources, as well as access, of course, to the technology and, and other resources associated with that. Also, creating a culture of continuous learning. I think we can talk about lifelong learning. But in order to arrive there or cultivate that, we have to be cultivating and creating a culture of continuous learning um, and encouraging employees to take calculated risk and learning from those risks uh, to continuously learn and, and move forward. And then the third thing for me is recognizing and rewarding learning. So oftentimes when people have to take learning or training, you know what is dreadful? They, instead of walking on the red carpet to the Oscars, they think they're, they're going into purgatory. And so how do we create an atmosphere and environment where people are recognized and rewarded and they're like fired up to go learn something new? So I would say, you know, to for learning and development with a, a positive employee experience, the learning has to be good. We've we got to be willing to want to go take it, which we're adults here. So, you know, lecturing us with a PowerPoint is not how you do it. Right. So there has to be different mod modalities, it has to be inclusive of all you know, types of learners, 
right? And it has to be accessible, readily available. It shouldn't be hard to get. And it should be a mixture of, you know, there's learning a skill that's required at the job, but what about my career growth, my personal growth, right? Um, weaving in opportunities for like developmental relationships, right? So a lot of people don't think that like, oh, coaching, getting coaching and mentoring, that's a great part of L&D, like getting those a stretch assignments to be able to grow. So I, I, L&D plays a huge experience, at least for me, the employee experience. I, I love where I work because I have the opportunity to grow. I'm constantly challenged and there's more learning than I can ever take in a lifetime. Maybe this is a bit of my, my previous experience outside of you know, industry and corporate learning. I think it's really important for us to isolate L&D and the development from the kind of HR side and compliance education side. We need to treat it as something that's a little bit different and unique uh, because ultimately you want people to trust that what you're doing with them isn't punitive, that there's a purpose behind it that's more so than checking a box or making sure that they are where you need them to be to accomplish your goals and meet your KPIs. It has to be something that they're seeking out, that they placed value in, and ultimately that they enjoy. And I think that the kind of magic school bus mentality, right, the get messy, make mistakes, I think that kind of learning where they're allowed to try things, where they're allowed to experience it for themselves and fail and recover in a way that's measurable, safe, and ultimately doesn't impact the real customers they're going to be serving, the real patients they're going to be working with, or the real clients they're going to be serving, um, is one of those things you can do to get that kind of culture of learning there where, hey, we'll ask you questions about this and I don't feel dumb asking it. I don't feel like I'm going to be penalized. I don't feel like this is going to get out of my control if I'm struggling. So making sure that separation there uh, is there and that clarity surrounds what you're trying to do, super important for us, not just our leaders to be transparent, you know? Definitely. That's such a good point that learning really provides that opportunity to fail and which in turn provides that growth that employees um, really need and are looking for. Um, so kind of from um, looking at this, shifting gears a little bit and looking at this from the business perspective and the business benefits um, that learning provides companies, um, can um, you all talk about why it's important that organizations in invest in creating a culture of learning? Um, having a culture of learning means that your folks want to develop, they want to grow, they want to be better, they want to seek out opportunities, and ultimately they want to be a better or improved version of where they started. And for a company, if you have a bunch of people that are learning skills for succession planning, if you have a bunch of people that are expanding their scope and are ready to take on leadership roles, if you have a bunch of people that are truly invested in your mission, in your purpose, because they know that you're invested in them, their growth and their purpose, it makes every secondary function of needing to move folks around, replace folks when they retire, when they move up, so much easier because folks know that that support won't stop if they're in a situation where they're uncomfortable, where things are new, where they have the potential to be confused, lost, or behind the eight ball. Um, so that culture does support not just that individual, but that entire business function, that entire service line, if everyone is invested in learning more, growing, and reaching out. Learning is a, as a, as a core of a good culture, I feel like, right? And let's go back to when we have happy employees, what are their traits? They're productive, right? They become innovative and they let their creativity out because that guard comes down because they feel safe to be able to fail and be able to grow. So I think it's, um, and then, you know, 
when we have them innovating, what are we doing? We're creating better products. We are providing a better customer experience. Um, a direct correlation of a great employee experience well, you're happy then to go support your customers. You're happy to build new things. You're happy to innovate and move the company and the organization forward. So I, I feel it all falls on a, a good culture, especially with learning inside of that. And I'll just add to everything that was already said. I think increased employee engagement is, is key uh, in terms of a business, you know, why the business should be invested in this, improved employee skills and knowledge, all of these things really feed into this notion around productivity in a time in an era right now where operational expenses, you know, OPEX is, is, is the focus in terms of reducing OPEX, you know, all these things matter because a big part of being able to reduce your operational cost would be to ensure that your people are productive, uh, to, to ensure that people are happy so that you're not spending money because of high flight risks um, to replace those to replace the top talent. So I think it all comes full circle in terms of being able to keep the employee at the center of, you know, your, your, your business decisions, um, your, your, your why for existing um, and ensuring that, you know, people feel your employees feel like and um, also know, not just feel, but they know and see um, the reasons why you're investing uh, in them. And, and to add on that too, like the, and another thing is that culture of learning, it turns into an organic talent acceleration. Um, and it also, one of the things is you have senior members, and again, if you have a culture of learning, senior members will pass on that tacit or tribal knowledge down to newer members, and it just continue to everybody to grow their skill set. So I think that if you have the culture of learning, then learning is just going to happen. You don't really have to push it too hard and just let it grow organically. Love that. It's a cool domino effect almost for sure. We'll be right back after a brief message from our sponsor. The Certified Professional and Training Management Credential, or CPTM, was designed to convey the essential competencies you need to manage a training organization. When you become a CPTM, you gain access to alumni resources like monthly peer roundtables and a full registration to the Training Industry Conference and Expo. If you start today, you can earn the CPTM credential in as little as two months. To learn more, visit cptm.trainingindustry.com. So we've established that it's important to create a learning culture for both employees and the bottom line. But I think it's important to remember that Creating this culture of learning is easier said than done, especially in a digital business environment. So what tips do you have for our listeners who are interested in getting started and want to begin creating a culture of learning? Well, I, I, I would go with four things, and that is making learning accessible. Um, I, I think the more you can make sure things are accessible, regardless of your location, I think that's key, encouraging collaboration. So ensuring that people have access to tools where they can collaborate and then encouraging that collaboration, providing opportunities for feedback, making sure that people aren't feeling like isolated, they're out there, not, not given any feedback um, or opportunities uh, to even provide feedback. And lastly, recognizing and rewarding the learning. I feel like that's still key for me. It's it, so you can encourage and inspire people um, 
to continuously learn and you're rewarding their learning accomplishments. So those are the things that I think would help create a culture of learning, even in a virtual hybrid environment. Yeah, my two high points for making sure that folks are engaged and supported in this hybrid or, or digital platform are going to be making sure that you choose a tool that is appropriate for what you're trying to accomplish. If you're wanting to have like a town hall or a forum where folks are encouraged to speak back and contribute to it, maybe a platform that people to speak or send messages to you isn't the forum you wanna go with, right? You might wanna select a tool that's more open, more accessible and provides you as the L&D leader with a little bit more control over who, when, and how they can chime in and allows you to still control and guide a conversation without shutting people out. The other big thing that I wanna remind folks of when you're working in this environment is just because it's digital or hybrid, doesn't mean that it's an excuse to not put your best foot forward and not to present something that is complete, that is finished, that is polished, and that shows the people that you're trying to engage or instruct that you're willing to invest the time in these things. Because one of the quickest ways to get people to check out during a virtual or hybrid session is to show that well, you don't care either. It's just something you have to do. It doesn't really matter. So making sure that it's polished, those spelling errors are corrected, and everything that you're presenting, using, or interacting with has that high level of polish that you'd expect from a classroom situation. And jump right into that. That's what you want to aim for with your technology is how can you mimic the traditional classroom, right? So I like to say, my training's video on. Let's see each other. Let's talk. You know, we, we, I want that connection to happen. So I would say that um, what Sydney said, making it accessible and then also understanding that learning doesn't just have to be done by the L&D team, right? Get other people involved, get other people involved to deliver. And what happens when, you know, your coworkers delivering? Well, you get kind of hyped up. You're like, hey, I feel like I'm getting empowered to go and deliver the next one. So I think just including everybody. And it's stuff that I've done in my company with initiatives where it's, yeah, let's let's get the people who talk to the customers delivering also the training. So just trying to get everybody together. But I would say the most is try to get as close as you can to that traditional classroom to build that human connection. I'm going to pierce the veil a little bit here since everybody's hearing this you know, just voices hearing things going on here. We're all on camera. We're all talking to each other. We are all connecting on a more human level, even if you can't see it, because those practices as an L&D leader, they don't just end because our classroom session ends. They don't just end because we don't have our own personal group that we're presenting to. These are things that you can carry that increase your presence, your professionalism, and your general presentation style. So a little bit of insight on the back. Definitely. Thank you all for sharing. Um, you you definitely touched on the important role that technology plays in delivering training today. And I just love to hear more about um, kind of how organizations can leverage technology to create a culture of learning and growth. Because um, as we all know, technology is really accelerating today at such a rapid pace and changing how people work and, per and perform their jobs. And this is really having an impact on L&D. I think it's all over um, kind of the news and everything with artificial intelligence and really how this is transforming everything. And I'm just interested to hear your thoughts on kind of the role that technology can play in creating that culture of learning. Michelle, you know, you, you, hit, you hit the button there with the AI. You know, we're in an AI driven marketplace and I really do feel like we need to and what we're trying to do is reimagine the role of artificial intelligence 
And in doing that, we have to also reimagine the roles, the human roles, uh, in terms of how we will uh, collaborate or partner, if you will, with artificial intelligence going forward to maintain or even bolster the employee experience and culture across the company. So that's one thing that's you know underway. It's, it's ever-evolving right now. Um, the other couple of things for me is making learning more engaging. You know, as Eric said before, I mean, as adult learners, you know, PowerPoint slides just don't work, but yet they are still used uh, pervasively across pretty much all industries. Um, so how do we continue to make learning engaging? You know, sometimes does it even require a slide or words on paper, so to speak, to get the, the, the learning that people need or to make it engaging? So there there's other opportunities, I think, and that we need to exploit to make learning more engaging. And the other thing for me is tracking learning progress. I think this is where technology comes in to see, like, who's consuming what? Why are they consuming this? Is it do they get satisfaction in consuming the learning? Um, you know, I think one of the things I've found in every company I've worked for is we produce a lot of stuff, but there's not a lot of consumption and there's very little impact. And so I'd say tracking the progress of learning and the impact of learning. So those are the things that I would say is the role of technology as it continues to evolve and support a culture of learning across the organization. I definitely hope as, you know, content creators, we're not just going over to chat GPT and saying, hey, build me this course real quick, pop, popping it in something and just calling it a day. Um, you know, uh, a lot of things were covered, right, by Cindy. I would say, I think about like learning experience platforms and ways that we can proactively and dynamically present training to people, right? And, and think about people in support. As you're taking a case, imagine if training just got dynamically proposed to you, hey, you need to take this to be able to solve that, right? Um, I think technology plays a huge role, even in the platforms you go to create content, right? Um, there's, there's, we've all been through multiple platforms of training. Some just aren't that good, a little confusing, and some are just, wow, smooth, enjoyable. Um, I'd also say the, the um, just technology in general, the employee experience, like what happens if, you know, you, you get here, you, you just started a new company, they send you a really old laptop that doesn't work and maybe you're a video designer and it's freezing technology at that level, right? So I, I think it plays a, a huge role all the way across. But I would say one of the things I, I'm very excited about is the the idea of just, again, proactively presenting, right? It's always reactive. I don't know this. Let's go find the training. But what about be, right when you're figuring out you don't know what the training's sitting right there in the same spot for you? So tons of stuff we can do in terms of technology. May I add one other thing is learning in the flow, Eric, that made me think about that. How can we provide learning at the point of need when where people need it? I think that's been a, a continuous struggle in our industry to try to figure out how to do that. But I echo what you're saying in that regard. We'll get there. We'll get there. <laughs> There's a ton of fear, you know, that AI and all these tools and stuff will replace the need for individual contributors and things like that. But arguably, where AI stands now, it's best used as a force multiplier, coming back to that original conversation there, to extend our capabilities. 
hey, you got a bunch of written feedback. You can't figure out what to do with it. Run some sentiment analysis on it and figure out where people stand, what they're feeling, what they're after, what they want to get out of the next session. Say you have one of those situations where you're asked to create documents or something to walk folks through a process that you know is going to change in the next three weeks here and you don't want to, you know, add your time and your resources to getting that done, well, build out your skeleton, use those tools to bulk it out and have that available so you can deploy it proactively without feeling bad when you need to restructure it in a couple of weeks, a couple of months, whatever that is. These tools, when used properly, are an amazing way to supplement the talents of your facilitators, of your subject matter experts, and of the people whose time is far more valuable when being spent on those long-term projects and identifying those core needs and wants of your learners. So they can maximize on that learner experience platform to make sure, to Eric's point, that those trainings exist when folks need them, not after you figure out they need them. Definitely. Those are all excellent points. Before we wrap up here today, what's one step our listeners can take to begin incorporating learning into the employee experience? I think a big part that we haven't covered is around diversity, equity, inclusion. And I would add another piece to that, belonging. I feel like that's something that, um, you know, and how people feel uh, is really an important part of learning. Uh, it's really a, a important part of connecting. It's, it's an important part of that employee experience, regardless of who you are. When you start somewhere, it's you want to feel like you belong. You feel like you're being included. You're connected. You know, and I I do feel like those that's that's I think the beginning where you so that the tip is looking through the lens of D-E-I-B-N-C, connecting to make sure that you're, you know, introducing or reintroducing those learnings to ensure you continue to improve uh, your learning and also the employee experience. I think to be successful in incorporating, right, the um, learning culture and employee experiences, fostering an environment that it's safe to fail. And I always like to say, fail fast, fail often, learn from it. Um, I, I think, you know, it's hard to learn. It's hard to learn if you don't have the ability to fail, right? I would also say, if you're struggling with, with setting up a culture, take, you know, do an audit of what you have right now and start talking to your audience. Figure out what makes them tick, right? Find their personas, find what they like. And don't just make, you know, start building stuff to build it because that's what happens. We have 100 courses. It's like... 20 enrollments or something, right? So, you know, asking. And then when you're doing that and asking that, that's already giving, you know, a feeling to that employee of, okay, my voice matters. And then when you execute against that, well, they can't help but go take that training, right? They're the ones who mentioned it. So I, I would think that. And then lastly, I would say um, it starts with the leader. You know, one ritual I have in my team is we take 15 minutes every team meeting and we either review a training industry article, review something in the training industry, and we talk about it. And that right there just builds a culture of learning in a small team. If we can do that in multiple small teams, then it's an org, right? Yeah, a great first step, but a great place to start is just follow up with folks that go through the onboarding process without it and see what they're hungry for, what they want, need, and start to address those needs as more groups come in, as more folks are exposed to 
expands, that word spreads. And folks do start to develop that, hey, when you start here, you're going to interact with this group and these people. They'll help you out. They helped me out. And that word of mouth spreads quickly as you start to perform better and become more engaged. You get more leadership buy-in. You just have a general fostering through minimal work. And even as you advance as an L&D leader, if you're moving from a facilitator to a manager to a director to a senior role, don't lose sight of who your customers are, those new hires, those employees that need your support. One of the things that we do every time a new group of employees come on, we have an introductory call with the training team. They're getting introduced to myself and my team. Regardless of whether we're going to have direct interactions with them over the course of the next week, two weeks, what have you, we want to make sure they know who all their immediate corporate resources are. We want to make sure they're comfortable reaching out regardless of what they're experiencing, because ultimately, if they feel safe doing that, they feel safe experimenting with things, they feel safe failing, and they feel like you are there to support them in their goal, which is to develop individually, to have that career growth, to have that fulfillment that they're seeking. So. Great, such great tips there. Thanks everybody for sharing. Um, and on that note, Sydney, Eric, and Thomas, thank you so much for speaking with us today. How can our listeners get in touch with you if they'd like to connect after the episode? For Sydney, it's certainly LinkedIn. Eric, right here, LinkedIn as well. Feel free to reach out. I'm more than glad to chat. Anything training industry or even outside of that. For Thomas here, you can see me at Tice 2023 in Raleigh. Uh, we do have a a session scheduled there, uh, going to be talking about how to build and measure a training initiative from the ground up when you're starting from less than zero. Beyond that, you can always shoot me an email, tcfenstermacher at gmail.com. I do not have a LinkedIn at this time. Sorry. To learn more about L&D's role in the employee experience and to view the highlights from this episode in animation, Visit the show notes for this episode at trainingindustry.com slash trainingindustrypodcast. And if you enjoyed today's episode, let us know. Leave a review wherever you listen to your podcasts. Until next time. If you have feedback about this episode or would like to suggest a topic for a future program, email us at info at trainingindustry.com or use the contact us page at trainingindustry.com. Thanks for listening to the Training Industry Podcast.